Hey, Kareem Sirajuddin here, founder of Nude Human Consulting. The Coffee with Kareem podcast aims to provide Muslims and people of all backgrounds a space to share their life gifts, meet dynamic guests, and enhance the human experience one cup of coffee at a time. Sit back and sip. Welcome to another episode of Coffee with Kareem. Today, I have very, very special guests, the one and only Mad Mamluks. For those of you who don't know, they're a great podcast. You can find them on iTunes, SoundCloud, and all of the above platforms for podcasters. And I'm really excited to have them on today. We're going to have a great show. Mad Mamluks, thank you for being on Coffee with Kareem. Assalamu alaikum. Jazakallah khair for having us. My pleasure. Why don't you guys go quickly around and just uh, tell us who's who's here? Let's start off with the anchor. Mahin, why don't you start yeah, off? Yeah, I'm Mahin Islam. I, I guess I'm the anchor of most of these podcasts that we put out. Um, anything else? I'm an engineer by degree. Um, I guess I'm just here for a voice. I, I don't. I'm not too. I'm, th- I'm not too deep or anything like that, right? So he's he's being humble. <laughs> he's very deep. I, I said that once, and, and it's like a shot at what I said because I told him uh, one of the best things he brings, or when whenever I'm introducing him to uh, a speaker or whatever, I'm like he's got a great voice, so he he kind of t- is taking that as a little pot shot at me because I always introduce him that way. He's a voice. He's the he's got that that deep. Um, broadcaster voice, <laughs> and he doesn't bring in anything else. I didn't mean it like that, mine. He just brings in a lot. Uh, my name is Amir Said. Um, born and raised in Chicagoland area. I, uh, by profession, I teach uh, Islamic studies, high school Islamic studies, to the school that I actually uh, went to, a private school, and now I teach there. Alhamdulillah, having fun with it. No sim. Uh, ever since I was a little kid, Maheen, I met him about two and a half years ago, but it feels like it's been too long. Yeah, he's he's our shit too, by the way. So whenever we need what to do like haram stuff, we just go to him. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and he's an Azhari too, so it like makes sense. <laughs> the most wow. Lenient. Wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, my name is Sim, uh, otherwise known as uh, Imran Munir. The uh, maestro. The Morpheus. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, m- me and Sheikh Amir initially had the idea for the Mad Mamluks, and uh, we kind of, the idea kind of grew from us two. The team is now uh, 10 to 12 people, and uh, everyone is now adding different perspectives, different ideas to the table so that everyone can benefit from it, and uh, hopefully we can have more vibrant discussions uh, with different personalities. You have 10 to 12 people joining Mad Mamluk, so it's not just from the three to, original 3 to 5. You're saying you've got 10 to 12 different moderators, kind of? Yeah, yeah. Wow. 10, to different, 10 to 12 different hosts. Um, we've, <clears throat> we've had so much support from around the world, uh, uh, people who want to start podcasts and stuff, and we said, you know what, we already have something kind of set up, and why don't you guys just uh, integrate to, into the family? Let's... Uh, Let's show you the ropes and help and, you along the way. I, what he also means is not also it's not only in Chicago. There's different states now yeah. too, which are part of the Mad Mamluks family, which are starting off their own, uh, you know, right uh, podcast. Under so Ismail Royer, who was a guest of ours, and right. uh, he he uh, ended up joining our team, and uh, 
his uh, wife as well was a guest, uh, Noor Joda, and they weren't married at that time, and they kind of uh, got married through the podcast. And it was funny that uh, they were supposed to be on the show today, but they had the other commitments that uh, stopped them from uh, being on the show. Awesome. Mashallah. Well, if I knew you guys were taking applications, maybe I would have applied. <laughs> well, I would have definitely. I didn't know you were even starting because I had suggested to you after one of our many episodes that, hey, Kareem, you need to do a, a podcast. You need to start something up. And I didn't know you were going to go do that. And I would have definitely invited you to the team if uh, had I known that you were actually going to do that. Plus, it's probably for your own good. It's probably for your own good. If you didn't think I was going to do a podcast, it means I wouldn't have. I didn't take your advice seriously. And I do. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, guess what? Kareem is too late now. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, I, I think Kareem, you're doing a great. Like, uh, I do enjoy your podcast, and it, it, it's a different flavor. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think Mad Mum Looks has a certain like kind of flavor, abrasive brand. flavor. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, you know, and I, I definitely like the the flavor of your show. It's it's a nice change up. So, like, I think we're all about supporting Muslim podcasts in general, as long as it's quality product. Like we we don't need garbage out there, right? And you, and you are one of those guys doing good work, so we we appreciate that. Yeah. I, pre- I appreciate that. Well, I've literally heard every single episode of yours, and I was telling oh, really? that yeah, I was telling Mahin how proud I am of what you, what you're doing. That it's such a benefit, and yeah, man, alhamdulillah. I mean, I, our ummah can get as much help as as they can get. So I feel like if uh, if we can offer different flavors, different approaches, different styles, different spaces, and it's all calling back to the principles of Allah and His Messenger, then tawfiq, inshallah, for all of us, and may Allah accept it. Yeah, the, the Muslim marriage crisis episode was great, too, with uh, Sister Nafisa. I, I, can, I don't know her last name. Yeah, and I, I, Chris Garner and Mohammed Ferris. Oh yeah, Chris. That was I, I really enjoyed that one. I really enjoyed that conversation with him. I, I like I like it because I'm ha- I find myself in a lot of conversations with conservative people of other faith traditions, mm-hmm. um, and I and I was like, that's cool that you know you have uh, that kind of relationship with people. I think it it builds, and obviously, like our intent is always like, inshallah, one day they they become Muslim. But um, there's always like a lot of good coalition building that can be done with those kind of relationships. Like evangelicals. You like evangelicals. Or I love evangelicals. <laughs> <laughs> so what's with the coffee, man? Are you, are you a coffee junkie or are you just, it's, it's, uh, what's you know, the name? I like the name. It was a nice. I'm really a coffee junkie. Yeah, for sure. Nice. I make uh, fresh coffee every day, dude. I grind my own beans. Um, and then I use a French press and I even have a, a homemade, uh, you know, creamer, like steamer for lattes and, and cappuccinos. So if you guys are ever in town, I'm going to make you homemade coffee, oh. sometimes a little touch of uh, cinnamon or, or another secret ingredient that I use, which uh, makes the flavor very different. And I, I, I generally like to use a lot of beans from Latin America, Brazil, Colombia, Mexico. Um, I, obviously, the name had a great catch as well. And it's just something yeah, I'm pretty known for even my so funny story. Uh, my father's visiting me right now. We're hanging out. Um, just guy time because my wife and, and son are actually away. And uh, and so, I, you know, when my dad first arrived, you know, he wants to know the plan. So I'm like, yeah, I've got some podcasts I'm recording on Saturday and blah, blah, blah. So yesterday I was like, Dad, uh, remember, tomorrow I got to go to the office. I got those podcasts that I'm recording. He's like, oh, yes, uh, you're recording my uh, crazy mamluks. Huh? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> He's right. That's what we should call it. 
classic uh, Muslim parent who like you know, and they always they mix up the adjectives and stuff. It's it was so funny. I was like, oh, good. I was like, I gotta tell those guys this. Uh, <laughs> tell him that we're majanin. Al majanin. Mad Mamluks, are you ready for Kareem's five fun questions? Let's do it. All right, question number one, and we'll go rotation. Mahim, if you could have a cup of coffee with Malcolm X or Muhammad Ali, who would you want to have a cup of coffee with? Malcolm X. And why is that? I just like, I'm a sucker for transformation stories, right? Um, Like the fact that he was a criminal in jail and then has gone through phases of reform in his life. I just think that's like that. Um, it, it always it's always a reminder that Allah's like can change the situation of any human being. Like it doesn't matter how you, you could see somebody right now who's like a gangbanger and they could be from the awliya in 10 years. Right. Subhanallah. All right. How about you, Sim? Malcolm X or Muhammad Ali? Yeah, that's an e- easy one for me as well. Um, Malcolm X, because I, I love ideologues. I love. I lo- I love uh, getting in their head. Um, so much respect for all the founders of, of movements and, uh, you know, people who have shifted the way uh, issues are discussed, um, you know. So uh, Malcolm X was one of those people who w- was somebody who didn't operate in the the paradigm that or the rules that the people set up for him. He, he wanted to break out and want to set out. Uh, a new course for um, black America in this country that didn't play by the rules, so to speak. So definitely Malcolm X. MashaAllah. And Sheikh Amr. To be honest with you, man, this is a very difficult one for me, but I would say Muhammad Ali. Uh, yeah. Reason being is um, he was he's somebody who's considered an athlete and not somebody who's a revolutionary. But he is known... And I'll get to my paint, my point why, but some of the background, he's known to be like the best athlete ever. You know, the top 100 athletes, you know, it was Muhammad Ali. And the thing about Muhammad Ali is when he made his move of not going to war, he had a lot more to lose ever than on a worldly level than Malcolm X did, right? Jeopardized every, millions and right. millions of dollars. So sometimes we see that people who are considered amongst the lay, they're gems. And I'm not saying he's better than Malcolm X. They're two completely different roles. I don't think you can even compare them. It's comparing apples and oranges. But what the thing why I relate to him is I love watching all types of combat sports and martial arts. I relate to him on, on, on a very human level, right? And there's very few people that are going to be revolutionaries, right? Out of, out of I think out of 7 billion people, you only have 7 revolutionaries at, at, on the world at a time, right? So it's not always easy to relate to them. It's very awesome to get inspired by them, intrigued by them, and follow what they tell you to do. But when you have somebody who uh, gave up everything, and there's a, you know, masjid's named after him, and he's a political figure, even though he's an athlete, and he becomes the voice of black America, and then Muslims, and he talks about, he's on interviews in the 60s and 70s talking about aqidah, right? Or realize, we watch them now, and after you study right. aqidah, you're like, this guy is profound. He's literally teaching Aqidah one, but on a very, very deep level. And he's relating to his life. And he's able to throw all that away and say, I'm nothing, you know, after he's talked, when he's comparing himself to the creator. Even though he said, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest. That was his intimidation factor. And he was the best trash talker ever. He was the best intimidator ever. He defeated every single <laughs> opponent before they even got in the ring. He backed everything up. But when it came to his humility, when he talked about his creator, 
it, it was as it was probably one of the best Akida classes I ever had, right? Yeah. So that I, I, I that's why it's a very difficult one for me. But on a more of a human level, a relatable level, I would have to say Muhammad Ali for me, man. Yeah, and the, the way. Love those responses. Okay, let's let's check out question number two. Mahin, if you could be any animal for a day, which one would you be? The you Bengal know. tiger. <laughs> the Bengal tiger. Ask him why he said the Bengal tiger. <laughs> why did you choose the Bengal tiger? There's two reasons. The second one, you might have censored her out, okay? <laughs> the, f- the first reason is because I'm Bangladeshi, right? <laughs> He's Bengali. Yeah, right? So, like, okay, so that, that's part of, like, that's, I think that's the only thing we got going for us. <laughs> Right, the second thing is something I heard on the Joe Rogan. You listen to Joe Rogan? Yeah, I, I like his stuff. So yeah. Joe Rogan, at one of his podcasts, says that uh, tigers have the best sex. <laughs> like that, that human beings like should envy the kind of sex they have. So uh, you know, like super aggressive. Like the women are biting the guys in the in the neck, and I was like, I can get down with that for sure. So that's why. But will Bengali women be down for that? That's the question. I know they're prudes. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, so basically, he wants to be a. T- blame it on the blame it on the British. Right? <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> the British formalities <laughs> corrupted. Hab, Hab, Habiba Kande on sexuality and irritology in Islam. He was talking about how in his research he kind of theorized. He's like, man, we were seen by the Europeans as overly sexualized, right, and eroticized um, through Orientalism, the lens of Orientalism, and then post-colonization of the British in many of our countries, we kind of took on more of that prude approach to sexuality and relations. So Right. Came up with Kama Sutra, right? So, I mean, that goes back, well, I don't know how many years the Kama Sutra is old, but, you know. <laughs> how about you, Sam? Uh, if you could be an animal for, for a day, which one would you choose and why? A liger. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't heard that in a long time. That's a Napoleon Dynamite reference. If anyone got that, but no, uh, not a liger. Um, I like wolves. I, I wear fring. Um, I like wolves because they work in packs. They, uh, they, uh, they have that killer eye, but they all work together and and uh, bring down their prey. And they're they have a f- extremely intricate form of communication as well. Um, like I, well, I'm gonna give you an example. Like one uh, one wolf, uh, when you hear them howl at night, they're actually it's a, a communication system that allows them to know that everyone in the pack is alive and well. And if one of them is gone, they'll end up having sex and create <laughs> more wolves. I'm coming back to that, bro. So. <laughs> I guess in a way I, I did bring it back to sex as well. So, <laughs> mashallah, mashallah. And how about you, Sheikh Amr? If you could be an animal for for a day, which one would you choose? To be honest with you, man, I think mine is be less aggressive than the previous two. I always had this uh, this this Please feeling. Please don't say of, giraffe. Our reputation on the line. I'm not gonna say giraffe. I'm not gonna say camel or anything. Don't worry. Um, I I honestly any type of bird, man. You know, I I always. The thing that the human can never do by himself is flight, right? And I always love mm. just seeing everything from a bird's eye view and just, you know, just... just, just not, a, not an annoying bird, like a pigeon, right? No, no, not a pigeon. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, like, uh, there's something awesome about, you know, uh, just flight and, you know, soaring through the air and, um, you know, it just seems so peaceful and just so nice and not any worry in the world, you know, that type of thing. Maybe I'm kind of romanticizing the whole idea of being a bird, but that's something that I always thought of, right? 
uh, killer bird, like a falcon. What I don't know. It could be whatever you want it to be. Bro. I'm just talking about flight, like birds. That that, that you, you got to make make it sound cool, okay? Not, that, not that's you. what I'm saying. It's not going to be cool as your guys. It's just it's going to be pretty, pretty. Uh, you know, that that's what it is, bro. You know, I don't like pigeons. Pigeons have some street cred. They must have No, because no, because like in New York, pigeons are like the official bird in New York City. I heard because because no, really? they just don't care. Right, it's it's like they have that New York mentality. That's like Jeff Staple, who's like a sneakerhead, and made this shoe, the Nike Dunk Pigeon, really? that sells for like eight thousand bucks on eBay. What? And there was like a SWAT team that they shut down the line back when it released in two thousand five. It's a side note, but wow, that's why pigeons. Fact. Like I, I got respect for pigeons now. I got respect. For <laughs> came back from New York, so he's he's really excited. Dude, when I was uh, going to university in uh, Boston, I used to take a uh, train and and at one of the stations right outside of JFK library there's a Masri guy egyptian guy that i used to you know hang out with he had one of those you know stands where they sell like hot dogs and pretzels and whatnot and he used to catch the pigeons in the train station and take them home and eat them egyptians love pigeons man i know i don't since we're talking about pigeons since there's a true story one of my friends he went to egypt uh to study arabic in like 2004 um with his wife and he came back later and he was he graduated with me um, but the thing is that he said the first time he went there, him and his wife, they were driving in a taxi and the taxi driver was driving, chilling, minding little business. They see a pigeon or a few pigeons. He stops the car. He said, just give me one second, please. He stops the car. He takes a BB <laughs> gun from the back of his trunk, goes, shoots the oh pigeon, cuts it, puts it back in his trunk and they continue driving all the men for a few oh minutes. <laughs> Cause the, and I, I, wow. I personally don't like, um, uh, the way certain pigeons are made, but when I, I went to a restaurant before where Egyptians, they stuffed the pigeon, and it actually tastes pretty good, man. There's not a lot of meat on it. It's more for flavor. I've always found food that requires more work than you get out of it. I've always been kind of turned off by that, like crabs and lobsters and pigeon. It's just like, ah, it's too much work, man. Just give me I'm a, the same way. You know, give me a steak. Okay, question number three. Maheen, name one of your favorite films of all time. Varsity Blues. Really? Why? What's that about? Man, it's about high school football in Texas. Uh, I saw that movie in the summer of 2000, or no, actually early 1999, October 99. Um, I, like, I, I just like the culture of high school football, uh, to be honest. Uh, I, was, I used to be obsessed with Southern accents, too, uh, back in the day. That's why my wife's from Mississippi. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, it just resonated with me. It, it, it's kind of one of those old. It probably fits into those old late '90s teen movies. You remember that with like Dawson's Creek, yeah. that kind of whole genre, <laughs> you know? But Varsity Blues, I, I just like the characters in it. They're like they had this dude named Billy Bob, you know the his jersey number. Uh, I, I won't say, but uh, <laughs> you know he, he was offensive lineman. And they had this like this coach who was. Um, Played by John Voight, who's a real Nazi, and you know, talk. It, it touched upon different. It, it, it's not a really deep movie; it's just a real fun movie, and it's a movie I still catch myself quoting all the time. So it's like the main character is uh, James Vanderbeek. Uh, he was on who was in Dawson's Creek, and he was the he, be, he was a backup quarterback, but he eventually started when the starting quarterback, who was gonna be uh, who was like one of the top recruits, got hurt, and then all of a sudden he got all his attention, but he was. Said I'm going to like Brown University, like I'm not even on an athletic scholarship. So just interesting how like in these small towns in like Texas, um, that fr- that Friday night like culture is all about you know 
But when I was like 19 years old and impressionable, like I was ready to text transfer to a school in Texas because <laughs> I was like, my Texas looks awesome. I was like, there's all these pretty girls and like these mini skirts and uh, football, and southern accents, and southern accents, like southern bells, right? And uh, grits. I, I used to be obsessed with grits too, <laughs> <laughs> so, and sweet tea, you know, like southern food. So, how about you, Sam? What's your one of your favorite films of all time? Uh, right now, I would say the original Blade Runner was a huge influence on me. Um, <clears throat> uh, Pulp Fiction was a huge influence as well growing up um that that and uh i like the i really loved uh the some of uh the mobster movies like uh goodfellas yo he yeah, said I mean, he said one movie dude yeah yeah he gave him, like, <laughs> I talk he's more. just thinking out yeah. loudly right but you yeah. have to choose one yeah, We're gonna make you I, I, one will say, I will you say you have to choose your favorite child today uh, blade runner represents a lot of my style and um lawyer type films uh kind of gothic detective movies um so i I think that that is uh my favorite final answer i i saw the new blade runner in the theater um when it came out did you see it and if so what were your thoughts i no, i didn't see it yet because uh i'm actually way too busy so i didn't get to see it i i wanted to time alone and watch it without any distractions because if i wanted to see it in the theater then I'll get a hundred questions from the missus. <laughs> What's going on? Why is it this way? But this is it one of those slow. things where you have to watch the first one to understand the second one or no? I don't know. I just kind of, I didn't want to read a review or watch a preview of it. So, so yeah, I'm going to be watching that soon. That's next on my list. Awesome. Awesome. And how about you, Chef Hammer? This is going to be really difficult. I haven't watched lots of movies. I'm not a movie buff by any means, but the only way that I can narrow this down is at the time that I watched the movie what type of effect it had on me. You know what I'm saying? And if you watch it now, it's not gonna, like you mentioned, if you watch Varsity Blues now, it's not going to be the same as watching it before because then it had a certain effect on you, right? But I'm probably going to talk about maybe the first three and then try to narrow it down to one. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that football movie, Rudy. Rudy oh, is dope. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rudy's my top yeah. ten for sure. Because I still remember I was a junior, I was in middle school when I was in eighth grade when that came out. Um, but it, I just loved how there's someone who's so unexpected. Even father doesn't even believe in him. Right, his own main support, his own source, and usually, if your own family doesn't believe in you about something, especially if something's very physical, and for him it was something very masculine, um, and then he comes through, and then he just changes, you know, everything, and yeah. that that I I I gathered a lot of it. Even sometimes, it's kind of weird, and that's why I think movies are like the best drug, man. It's like um, it's the best escape. You know, without actually consuming something, and you can recall certain things, um, you know, without getting into trouble. But you can recall and still gather inspiration, because they're they're literally ideas just put on and articulated by certain people that you can watch. Right? That's actually what movies kind of are to me. Yeah, I see, I see it as I see it as a modern medium of storytelling. Exactly, and you could get you could definitely gather inspiration from that. There's nothing wrong with that. The other one is that the time when it came out was V for Vendetta. I loved that movie. That's also especially the closing yeah. scene. That's I, a good one. That's I a good one. When he says when he says that you know how come you won't die and he goes he says um, because what I have is ideas and ideas are bulletproof right and uh, that's that's what we believe you know, even as Muslims right it's it's ideas strong ideas that are gonna um, stay forever and they have to be uh, you know real they have to be huck they have to be truth you know um, and the other one believe it or not at the time this blew my mind away was the usual suspects 
That movie was something. Mm. Yeah. That. But I think out of all those, I'd maybe, I'm maybe going to say V for Vendetta is, as the time and place I was living in. I watched it while I was abroad, while I was studying. It kind of got me back. Out of, I was like in a phase where I was kind of becoming a book nerd. It kind of took me out of that temporarily and made me think about something other than academics and studying stuff. You know, so I think Vendetta is the winner for me. Awesome. Awesome. Great choices, guys. Okay, let's try question number four. What's one food that you really dislike, Mahin? Uh, bitter melon, which in Bengali we call Corolla. We call it Karela. I love Karela. Oh, that's terrible. No, you got to get a quiet taste to it. Th- it's almost like that's the kind of food you want to torture your kids. You. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sim, what's, what's up to you now, I guess? Um, right now. What food do I t- just hate? Anything like liver, I always say. <laughs> liver. <laughs> hate liver or kidneys. Um. You, you, when you live in uh, Indian family, they don't know how to make liver. Like Somalis can make dope liver, but I had like desi liver is terrible too. I agree. But something common that a lot of people eat, you know, I don't like uh, lamb. I just don't like the smell of it. Whoa! Yeah, yeah, yeah kick him off the show, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, so th- some people know how to cook it right. Some uh, uh, Arabs uh, cook it really well, and they have some. Um, they're able to mask that. That smell, you know that smell. Everyone knows that. Smell. That that's how I feel about goat. But I feel like lamb hits hits the mark for me more often than yeah, goat does. Goat do but I can I can goat understand. Or gamey, you know. Yeah, but uh, yeah. The, otherwise, I like all food. Like I can't say no to anything. Chef Harmony knows pretty well. Well, my appetite. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way, dude. I love everything, man. But for me. Um, I think, uh, believe it or not, dude, I get a lot of heat for this, even from my own wife and kids, man. But let me start off by saying my whole life, I convinced myself that I like pasta, right? But then I realized as I got older and I freed my mind and made my own decisions, one day I was eating pasta with, you know, with marinara sauce or whatever, tomato sauce. Dude, I don't like pasta. It's just, I just don't. Yeah, wow. it's cool if it's a little better with Alfredo and shrimp, like that kind of thing. That's kind of cool, you know. Like Cheesecake Factory has that Alfredo uh, shrimp uh, pasta thing. That's cool, but like with tomato sauce and pasta, man, I can't stand it. I'll eat it if it's in front of me. Alhamdulillah, I'm not going to say no, but I would never make it. You know, I'm 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 going off on a little bit of a tangent of nowadays of cooking. I, I like to do my own cooking, but I don't like pasta. But I would never make it, man. Uh, that's the first time I've heard someone say they don't like pasta. It's, but it's not as shocking as someone saying they don't like ice cream, which I've heard before. <laughs> uh, maybe because I'm a lefty. I don't know. So no pasta for you. Wow. All right. Well, less less carbs to worry about. Mashallah. All right. And the last question for Kareem's five fun questions, number five. Maheen, if you had one superhero power, which one would you want and why? Oh, that's tough. I was thinking about that. Um I don't know what power it is. I think the the character that uh the power that I really like is the one of the beast in X Men. I think he's just like is it like brain power? He's just able to absorb information quickly. He's just very smart. Yeah, I, I think that's very athletic and very smart. Very yeah, he's got like super agility and uh, super intelligence. I don't care about agility. I, I'm I'm more since I lack intelligence. I guess I want intelligence. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Does that make be, sense? Yeah. Want to be more like uh, you want to be more like Professor X. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Professor. Yeah. You know where you, you can like mind reading stuff. You know. No. You know. You just took away two powers. Yeah. Wait. So which one do you want? Because mind reading is its own power, and then being super intelligent, like Brainiac, you know, or Professor X is is a different power. 
Mind reading for sure. It I want to be. I, I gotta be able to read my my wife's mind. And <laughs> <laughs> I'll come back to this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this guy. So mind reading for you, Mahim. Yeah. So you can figure out what your wife's thinking. All right, Sim. Sim, number two, uh, question number five. If you had one superhero power, which one would it be and why? It was going to be mind reading or telekinesis, which is the proper term, Mahin. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> but uh, now that Mahin took that away, I will actually uh, change it to what Wolverine had. Uh, we're huge X-Men fans, by the way, over here. So uh, regeneration, oh, um, being able to not feel or heal very quickly. From any type of injury, and I think the age. I think the only one, that... one of my hugest fears, or one of my phobias, is um, my age and trying to capture our youth. I guess that's <laughs> what that's pretty normal. But was it the only person that has faster healing than him? Was like Omega Red or something? I don't know, something like that, right? I think Deadpool had it too. Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah. That's right. He was all of them combined. Yeah, man. For me, man, I'm I'm just kind of a Neanderthal. Living in the testosterone-filled age, I would, I, I was ever since I was growing up, I would just love to be Hulk, bro. That's it. Nice. I don't care, nice. man. Just sheer brute animalistic strength, nice. and doesn't care about his surroundings. Can jump really far, just a straight. He can survive anywhere. He can live in the jungle, and just grab a deer and eat it raw if he wanted to. You know what I'm saying? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Mashallah, except pasta. Except pasta. The hog don't need no pasta. He need protein. <laughs> Those were great answers, um, brothers, and I'm I'm really glad you you shared. I think it's a great way for people to um, get another dimension of each of you, and uh, I, I certainly appreciate learning more about you. And, and I think these fun five questions um, are always a good time. Remember, there's no right or wrong answers. It's just about. Uh, getting your brain running and, and having a little bit of fun. So I'd like to turn now to our next segment. Now, as the Mad Mamluks, I'm a huge fan of the podcast, and uh, I've been a guest a couple of times, so thanks again for, for honoring me. Um, but as the Mad Mamluks, you guys have encountered many different stories with our brothers and sisters in our community. Uh, all kinds of great guests, learned a lot of um, awesome lessons on your show. And I'm thinking, as you guys look back on 2017... What's one thing that just from all the shows you've done, you know, what's one thing that you felt was just really profound or insightful or beautiful or just really kept you thinking the next couple of days um, after you, you had that uh, interview or that guest? Uh, and tell us a little bit more about why you may why you choose that particular uh, insight or, or profound moment. Mahin, what can you think of looking back in 2017, one of the most beautiful or, or profound guests or stories that you learned um, as a podcaster? Uh, Sheikh Abdullah Danny Hernandez, which we record uh -huh. in Houston, Texas. Um, and uh, if y'all listen closely, about an hour, 20 minutes in, you can hear me crying in the background, um, which has never happened on the podcast. He never us. cries. Yeah, I'm generally wow. insensitive and stuff, you know, so... Um, we were kind of worried about like trying to edit that out because it destroys my street cred a little <laughs> bit. But uh, what I what I find profound about, and I alluded to this earlier with the Malcolm X example. So Sheikh Danny was a gangbanger, right? Um, and someone from the streets and whatnot. And when you see someone who like Allah guides anyone He wants without anybody without any Muslims involved, 
like the fact that he basically receives guidance from a Quran that he steals from a public library, and then that Quran becomes his best friend, and then like he becomes Muslim, and then his mom, who's a former nun, becomes Muslim, and then his dad becomes like families are converting to. And I've seen this as a trend, maybe as a, with Mujahid Fletcher as well in 2016. With some of the with our uh, Latino brothers and sisters, they you know sometimes their families convert. But like I think I think Sheikh Danny's entire experience and sh- the other thing that's interesting about that podcast is um, Sheikh Danny actually reached out to me several months prior, um, and he was willing to come to Chicago because he wanted to promote some of the books he was translating. So sure, and when we were in Houston, we were pretty limited time crunch. In the back of my head, I was like, "Well, if we don't like, we can get Shake Danny because I think maybe save him a trip." But at the same time, I was like, "Well, we can get him later because maybe we should focus on getting people who it'll be harder to get." Um, you know, once we get back to Chicago, you follow what I'm saying? It's yeah. funny how like that podcast that you kind of don't think about is going to be anything. Like I didn't expect it to be anything profound, right? But um, you know, it was just like I'm listening to him tell the story, and it's like. You can like I can feel it like we're so tuned in. And if you listen to the show, you'll you can hear kind of a, it's like pin drop silence. He's kind of telling the story very softly, you know. When you can kind of hear us, uh huh, yeah. And then you know, but like, but we're like really engaged, like listening attentively. And I remember that's how myself, uh, well, Sim was falling asleep, but Ismail and I were I really dialed in. I had a cold. <laughs> All right, and these guys are like railing on me the whole. Uh, unnecessary side note, Mahin. Unnecessary yeah, side note. Like, 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 like I'm a like, gangster, dude. That's how he takes people down. Yeah. So, uh, so, so when I start to cry, I think Sim's looking at me like I'm crazy or something. And like, I did give him that look. I'm like, wait, Mahin's crying. <laughs> it wasn't because of the content. It's because he's never seen you cry. Yeah. Expected. Right, but I, but in a nutshell, that's that, that's the. Show, I think, for many reasons, I think, just like that. I, I love that transformative story that someone yeah. be a high ranking gangbanger in a notorious, you know, national gang, and you know, over the course of years, you know, have a seed planted in him that leads him to not only become Muslim, but to become a student of knowledge and then an imam. And then he guides other people who are now from that gang into Islam. SubhanAllah. So just amazing, I thought. Amazing, yeah. I love that. I love that. So I heard you say like some of the highlights were, number one, you weren't expecting anything too profound from the story or the guest, right? Correct. And then all of a sudden, you know, his story blew you away and it was the one of the only shows you've ever actually cried cried from hearing it. And uh, this this deep impact of recognizing that, subhanAllah, when Allah says he guides whoever he wants, right? And whoever is sincere and looking for it, he can guide whoever he wills. I mean, it just it's that evidence that makes you just go, wow, like, you just never know. And sometimes the guidance comes to people you never expected in ways that you never expected. Right. And what a what a powerful reminder for, for everybody to, to recall um, that you should never lose hope and never assume that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want the good and, and the guidance for people, especially sometimes when they're not even looking for it. It just falls on their lap because Allah knows who they are. Right. For, for the record, it's the only podcast I've cried. Like, I've been glassy-eyed on several shows before. You know what I mean? Like, when you're kind of, like, get teary-eyed. But as far as, like, actually taking my, like, actually having to, like, sob is the only time it's happened. And we've been doing this for almost two years now, so. SubhanAllah, SubhanAllah. Beautiful, man. That's a beautiful sharing. 
Well, how about you, Sim? Um, you know, that's there's uh, there's a few episodes that come to mind. I think Ismail Royer's um, the first American Jihadi. That, that was deep. Yeah, that was deep. That was um, because everyone who knew or who lived in the 80s and 90s know those the feelings that we had back then and right. kind of in, in in that mode of thinking that kind of like a smile but like you you weren't thinking of uh, of leaving but you had those same passions but um and how easily it could have been you who uh who was sitting in jail instead of a smile you know so that was like something that really sat with me for for a few weeks and uh, and uh, helped me become uh, good friends with this smile as well and share a lot of uh, our memories from the back day um from back in those days and uh now humble we're pretty good friends well from as a result of it and that's one of the main things that uh, the podcast has allowed us to do um is make, create this network of uh, like-minded people we're 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 a group of people who um, but we we don't turn anyone down. But when listeners come to our city, you know we we never blow them off. We always, you know, we have open door policy where they can just come in and and meet with us, and you know we'll, we'll uh, have food and we'll share ideas and talk and listen to watch Shadow podcast with us. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, man, uh, so many people have have come through Chicago and just said like, hey, I'm coming to Chicago. I'd love to you know just sit down and talk with you, and we. Alhamdulillah can say that uh, we, we haven't failed them. So uh, just bring uh, building this network of friends uh, like yourself, Kareem, and uh, so many from around the world has been amazing. It has, has been an amazing experience. MashaAllah. That's awesome. And how about you, Sheikh Amr? Looking back in 2017, what's one of the most uh, profound or beautiful stories that you encountered through the guests of Mad Mamluks? Uh, can I divide this in two? One being uh, like mind blowing, and one being more emotional. Sure. Uh, for me, you know, Sim he took mine, um, which was Smile Royer's. That was just the story. Just so many twists and turns, and right when you think things can't get any worse for him, it gets like this, and he just saying it so casually and then you know we had a second part i think both of his podcasts for me were very uh in a good way emotionally you know draining yet rectifying at the same time to make you realize that you haven't been through anything and again like sim mentioned you grew up in that era and you were there so it made a lot of sense to the guys who grew up in the 80s you know um and uh for, for that reason kind of emotionally an attachment to your uh teens that that was kind of interesting but hands down, mind blowing was Muhammad Lilan, man. He was that guy. He was just interviewing him. I was in constant awe. The episode yeah. consciousness. 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 Yeah, yeah it's one of my favorites. His second too. one too, man. You know, and uh, for practicality purposes, dead bedrooms, bro. You know, that was <laughs> that was awesome. You know, um, who's that so, with again? I forget. That was yeah. Who was who that? Was was, that? Uh, Sir, Sirajuddin Karim. <laughs> 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 Yeah, that guy. Okay. Yeah. We, I think oh, we, that guy. for the listeners who don't get the reference, he, uh, Sheikh Amr was calling him Sarah Gelden. So, no, I, that, I, I thought. That's how everyone pronounces yeah. my that's name in America. Because of our American yes. ignorance, we can't. Sim was the first one. Like, actually, the name is Turkish. You know, I don't know if you remember that episode. Because me, I, yeah, I'm not going to bring Mahim down. But uh, Go for it. The, I just went over the spelling and you both thought it was Sarah Gelden. That's an interesting name. Gelden. Where are you from? And, you know, we made sense. Uh, you know, Kareem, I am uh, 15, 20% Turkish. 
Turkish. I did my ancestry.com oh. test to prove it. No way. People yeah. Nice. Got mine in the mail, bro. I'm going to figure out. I'm going to find out about a month, inshallah. Yeah. 100% Mongol. 100% Mongol. <laughs> 100% Mongol. No, I'll find out. It was always a curious thing for me. So, Yeah, my great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents um, were Turkish. Uh, they... What about when we look back on 2017 and we recall some of the most shocking or depressing or perhaps stories that provoke the most anger or frustration? Looking back, Mahin, what comes up for you? So I actually, uh, in like looking at this question, I was scrolling through our list of podcasts, and nothing really popped out as like depressing or shocking for me necessarily, uh, as far as a single episode. But I'll tell you one thing that um, does ups kind of upset me a little bit in general as being a podcast host now, and I don't know if you're dealing with this or not, because you know, and you may because you've got similar people, some guys. On our show. So people like when we bring on people like Daniel Hakikachu or, um, you know, Nabil Aziz, even though Nabil was in 2016, people still like are trying to censor all kind of dialogue. Right. Yeah. Right. We were in a like just this past week, um, Ismail Royer uh, had put a tweet out and, you know, we were and then he him and Imam Sohey were, you know, kind of discussing back and forth and. People don't know that Ismail and Suhaib go way back to like the 90s, like, you know, both being like Midwestern white converts. So there are there are yeah. the terms. And then you've got this, you know, brother on Twitter who starts tweeting Imam Suhaib. He's like, Sheikh Suhaib, stay away from him. Ismail works for Mad Mamluks and they promote like alt-right misogynist, racist people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like the fact that you just get lumped in because and just generalize, and that's the kind of mentality that the Muslim community has, is it, it, just really just disturbing, and it just shows, like, like a lack of nuance, a lack of intellectual fortitude. Yeah, and, like, it's, it's as if you want us to interview only one type of person, and that's it. What what happens to diversity and interviewing people? Man, sometimes you should interview people that you completely disagree with everything they're talking about, man. That's, that's what... Right. And I'm not saying that that I, I disagree with everything that someone's talking about, because if somebody's Muslim, we have a common ground anyway. Right. Well, here's the thing. Like every, I think even as hosts, we all disagree to differ on what our criterion should be when we look at guests. So for us, it's like for me personally, the person should identify as Muslim. He should be practicing and he should be within Ahl Sunnah. Generally, he, he or she. He or she. Right. He right. Or she. Yeah. Right. And. You know, and then if there's stuff out there that we disagree with, we'll talk about it, right? It's dialogue. Sure. Like, I mean, we've even explored the idea of having, like, people from, like, a Shiite, for example, on the show. We just haven't had anyone to come across to us as being honest enough to have an honest discussion. You know what I mean? Because right. like, right. we talked to people before, and if, if like, we, we don't want our platform for someone else's agenda that we think is going to undermine what our community needs either. You follow what I'm saying? Uh, right, right. So I think that's kind of – so we have a broad spectrum of people. Like we had Imam Suhaib. So Imam Suhaib may – some folks may say like kind of rolls in the more of the – um, you know, some of the more social justice kind of guy folks, right? Um, and then we had Dr. Shadi who's like, you know, going off on the perennialist movement and people in study Quran, et cetera. Um, and then we've got like Salafis like Imam Shadid Muhammad, right? So it doesn't – so these are people who like – like have some fundamental ideological differences, 
but like they still I think we can fall under the umbrella that we're trying to like unify under, right? But when I talk to people who are in this super leftist camp that our community wants to embrace, and you tell you try to give them Nasiha, literally it happened the day. There was a a brother I know, he uh you know, went to the some the woman's march says Allah wants me to be a feminist. He has got a toaster. It's not a like this is not good adab. And he was like, Don't judge me, bro. Like literally said, Do not judge me. Who the hell are you to judge me? Right? And I was like, All right, well, that's the mess we're in. So that's what's upsetting to me. The theme, what we've been exposed to as we're in this space, more so than any other like single episode. Yeah. No, no. What you're bringing, what you're bringing up here is, is very important. And I'm hearing you say a couple of things. Number one, um, it is unfortunate when, let's say, you have certain guests or certain individuals that you just might know, and because they personally don't like a message that somebody you know expresses or shares or their perspective that they think they have now the right to tell you don't bring them on, right? I think that's not really anybody's place to do except for the people doing the podcast. That's number one. Number two, absolutely, if we don't allow diversity of voices and free speech and dialogue, how are we going to have discourse? How are we going to synthesize ideas and find harmony and balance? I mean, our scholars used to do this, right? They used to talk about their differences and um, it wasn't, it doesn't have to be this threatening all or nothing either. Uh, okay. Well, if you don't take that episode down, I'm not coming on the show. Or if you don't get more people who think like the way I do, then, you know, you guys aren't, you know, it's like, and that's the thing, right? As you said, is it has to come down to quality of the, of the guest, even if their worldview is different from yours. Like my buddy, Chris, right? Like I don't agree with a lot of things he said, and he doesn't agree with some things that I say too, but we had, in my opinion, a pretty good quality discussion, right? Even though there was a lot of challenging and 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 uh, questioning of certain positions, but I think what it comes down to is is the quality of the guest isn't just about how popular they are, or how wanted they are, or you know they're the the biggest thing right now, but it's rather can they have a conversation with you, maintain edab, and also not feel like if you don't agree with everything they say, then you're now this bad guy, right? It's like, that's not how intellectual discourse works. That's not how the Socratic method of discussion works, right? And that's, I think, something you, sometimes you find that being fair, of course you find it with certain conservative Muslims who are like, hey, you know, you have music in your shows. Like I've had already people be like, Hey brother, take off your music from your shows. Otherwise I'm not going to share it with my friends. I'm like, well, that's, that's their loss, you know, but I'm not going to change my format just because you think music is haram. If you do great, may Allah bless you and increase you, but you don't need to now project your position onto me and uh, make me feel guilty about it. Right. The, the music acts as a great filter, doesn't it? Uh, filter, right. Where you can kind of remove some of the nutties that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, people who get fixated on on these kind of things, like okay, um, this is 2018, and uh, you know you're welcome to your opinion, but you have to understand that I have an opinion. You don't have to respect it or anything, but you have to know that I have a valid opinion as well. Right, and I, I think respect and tolerance has more to do not so much with. Um, I think the way it's used a lot these days is I'm going to be tolerant as long as you agree with me. 
But if you don't, I'm not tolerant. That's not tolerance. Tolerance is I really don't agree with you, but I'm still going to respect you as a human being and really try to understand where you're coming from, which is what I try to do on my show, right, is just understand people and what gift they're trying to give, whether it's a gift I agree with or plan to purchase or not. That's up to who, you know, the individual. That's gold. That's golden. You just want to know what gift they're going to offer you, no matter how different they are. I mean, you think about it, like everyone on the Mad Mamluks, right? We're all completely different than each other. Right. We agree with things, disagree, but we still love each other for the sake of Allah. None of that matters. Mahin is completely different than myself. I'm completely different than Sim. We're all com- – now, if we were all the same, what, what, what nuanced discussion, what type of discourse are we bringing to the table, right? So you, even within an organization, everyone should be different. That's fine. That's good as long as no one's you know, openly – discouraging something that's completely haram on a regular basis, then that becomes an issue too, right? But uh, even, you know, expecting that someone has to be of your liking every single time, that's 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 actually a type of greed, man. It's greed laced with some arrogance, you know what I'm saying? That's problematic. Let me ask you, like, since you've had, da- like, Daniel, when we have Daniel on, we get a lot of polarizing opinions. So you've had Daniel on, right? Have you faced anything, any pushback from either him or any other of your other guests? I just mentioned him because he's the one that usually triggers a lot of people. Um, just because, they, and they won't even listen to the show. They'll just read a Facebook post and you know be upset about. And then you see you you're promoting him, and they're like you're promoting misogyny. Do you, have you had that pushback yourself? Not, no, I haven't. Alhamdulillah, had anybody come and be like you're a misogynist because you've had Daniel Hakikic on your show or anything like that. But um, nobody has like messaged me about that, but from people I do know in my circle here, I've had a couple of people be like, you know, why do you have him on? He's just so like this, or he's too, um, uh, like his tone comes across as really, you know, cruel and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, look, you know, uh, he's got his own style and, um, obviously not everyone's going to be the same. And, you know, if you, I mean, that's my point, right? Is like, again, I don't have to agree with everything Daniel says or how he comes to his conclusions, but that doesn't mean he still doesn't have something to offer or some value there. Just like, you know, some social justice warrior who's, you know, on a feminist frenzy. I mean, of course you got to understand where they're coming from because of like, like, let's say a sister, you know, grew up being abused by her father and, and uncles and this, and it's like, you'd understand why she's gun ho about, you know, feminism, right? Because in her own particular context, she's seen how justice between male and female was not preserved and sometimes in the name of misused or misunderstood Islam. So I can, that's my point is like, we've got to understand and get to the deeper emotional and existential values that drive people. It's not enough to just judge them based on the surface content or, you know, a Facebook post. I mean, like Daniel is somebody who I got to know a bit better personally. And what I think I really, I always tell him, man, you got to get your wife on or some you know to come on your facebook page or maybe interview the two of you because so many people don't know what kind of guy he really is they just see him as this like almost like the muslim ben shapiro right he's just like this uh very harsh and literalist uh you know down with everything modern kind of thing but that's not you know i don't really think that's the crux of his message i think he's just has a lot of ghira for his deen and he sees a lot of things that most people, you know, um, maybe it's going to take them more time to realize or recognize. Um, but on the other hand, he also has a lot of people that support his voice, you know, which also is interesting, right? Because it's not all like the guy is just a, a big troll and nobody actually pays him, pays him any heed. Actually, a lot of people pay him heed. 
So maybe there's something more to his message than the uh, surface uh, interpretation. Right. Absolutely. I think even among us, we don't agree with Daniel 100%. But, and I, I don't understand this whole idea of just agreeing with somebody 100% or, or nothing. That's, that's kind of a, one of the poisons that came from the 90s that we want to remove, at least with our podcast. Set. It's a very gang mentality. Like, you have to be like, I'm not right. talking to you. It's actually very childish. I mean, you, kids in preschool are taught not to do that, you know? <laughs> exactly. And and the thing is, is you know, you, even if you have a guest who has a very different worldview, I think if anything, the fact that you don't feel threatened by that and you're willing to have a conversation and not get heated or just, you know, ignore everything they're saying and not take any truth or value, it means that you're still doing it. There's Your ego is still in the way. It's not about truth anymore or understanding. It's about, well, this doesn't fit into my agenda or my brand or my, you know, if my fiance knows I listen to this podcast, she's going to think I'm a misogynist. So now I have to stop. I mean, that, nobody should be living like that, in my opinion, because you're not really being authentic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, that's a very stressful way to live, dude. So, Sim, looking back on 2017, what was one of the most shocking or sad or depressing or frustrating stories? My main... Uh... The thing that made me most sad was that there's people who are within the same country, well-known scholars uh, that we've invited on, um, and they don't know other giants in our community. There's one um, superstar scholar that we had um, on the show, and we had him meet another you know, titan in his own right, and they had never met each other. And... That was that just blew my mind that you know these two people have never met and they're considered titans in, in knowledge and um, the lack of cooperation among Muslims and in sharing ideas and um, you know trying to benefit the community at large it, it seems like everyone's like a you know a salesman for themselves and and trying to sell what they think is is right but the, in terms of cooperation there's like very little to none um uh that that was really and it's something that has always been on my mind since that encounter yeah no it's a really good point um yeah subhanallah i mean is it is it such a small world after all when you would assume that two individuals of such caliber would don't even know each other um i mean of course statistically that's bound to happen right but uh but yeah did i mean was it because these two guests particularly were why Why were you so shocked by them not knowing each other? Was it just kind of this general idea of are we really bridging the gaps and working together as a community or are we all isolated in our own kind of mission and, and brand, so to speak? They came from different uh, ideological persuasions between like, uh, you know, Salafi and grounds. And um, so that, 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 that obviously was probably uh, one of the main reasons why they didn't meet. But, um, but, I think uh, one of the main things that our, our podcast tries to do is break the echo chamber and tries to get people to start uh, looking at uh, different perspectives and ideas and um, uh, try to talk to different people. Um, you know, people rightfully so will label us as, as a conservative podcast, and I think that's fine. They can do that, but um, we are... The type of people who can perfectly, we'd be willing to sit across a uh, a liberal mind, um, a, someone who's act, an activist. We won't agree on uh, what we're talking about, um, 
what our persuasion is, but we can at least bring have a conversation and uh, try to understand where each side is coming from. Whereas um, other platforms have not allowed that same type of uh, outreach to conservative Muslims. So I, th I think that, that that's also something that we're we're trying to um, you know build bridges between different individuals. No, I think you guys are doing a phenomenal job so far. I mean, just the diversity of guests, the range of topics, um, it's very rich. It's a very uh, good effort so far, man. So keep it up, and I think it's a beautiful intention. Inshallah, Allah will give you success. Thank you, brother. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean. how about you, Sheikh Amr? Looking back, um, anything that you also felt was... Uh, shocking or sad or, or frustrating yeah shocking sad major reality check of what the world you know we get uh you know deceived by this world because we go to sleep on a full stomach and it's very easy to forget about the rest of the world i think mine would be with islamic oasis um we had a brother muhammad Sharazi, who's the founder of islamic oasis he, his philosophy is very different than most um humanitarian groups he believes that he has to physically go and see the medical supplies that he takes um, for, you know, the hospitals in Syria and food. Generally, he's been all over the world, you know, um, he's been to Somalia, he's been, you know, for humanitarian work, but he's not, he doesn't agree with paying people to take the shipment and he goes physically uh, in places where just they've just been missiled or bombed and he's literally in that area and he's giving us updates. Um, he just uh, went to uh, uh, um, Burma, uh, and uh, he is boots on the ground uh, as far as humanitarian work is concerned. Like when I think about him, I think about like real, it's not like other people aren't doing real humanitarian work, but he's he's there with the people, lives with them, interviews when talks about the stories, you know, sleeps in the same quarters kind of that they're sleeping in, lives with them for a while, you know, and the stories that he has, I mean, that those are definitely kind of gut-wrenching, you know. Um, it's a harsh reality of this world. Um, and, it, and it can lead to a, some type of depression, not a depression that you're, you know, mad at yourself, but rather the, the how deceptive this world can actually be, you know. Um, but it, that itself is a blessing, you know. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose us for comfort, which means our test is different than those people who are not living in comfort. You know, they have a different type of test. We have a different type of test, you know. And uh, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for those individuals who are suffering that, you know, Allah gives them Jannah without any hisab and, you know, gives them Jannah with the Nabiyin and the Siddiqin and the, and the Shuhada and the Salihin. Sure. I mean, so Shirazi, it's interesting you mentioned him as the example for for me. Um, so for those of the listeners who aren't aware, I wasn't one of the original, technically Sim considers me OG now, but I think I wasn't around for the first six weeks y'all were doing this or something. Oh, yeah. Six yeah, weeks, two months. What? what was it three months something like that yeah so the first eight or nine episodes i wasn't a part of so i used to listen to the show and my favorite episode probably one of my favorite episodes of all time is the second show y'all did with shirazi back when y'all first started mm. and uh for me it's inspirational though yeah it's like that it, it's for me, called it's not, uh, relief work in war zones. right it's for me it's not it's depressing to hear about the situation but for me it's more hearing shirazi it's like there are still people alive today in this ummah who represents what this ummah is about like yeah. the fact that like and I, I and, and i talk to like when i'm talking to like my coworkers about islam and they want to know what muslims are about and not and i always use him I'm like sure he's a guy because i talk about the ummah the concept of the ummah the fact that 
uh, you know, an Indian dude who grew up in Chicago with a Palestinian wife, you know, wakes up every day and is thinking about what do I got to do for the Ummah today? So he'll go to Mali, go to Africa, yeah. and he'll go to Syria, or he'll go to Bangladesh. It doesn't matter what the ethnicity is. And and I think that's at the end of the day when you hear the hadith of Rasulullah talking about the Ummah is one body. And if one part of that body hurts, then the whole body hurts. Yeah. And he exemplifies that hadith to me. Allah, Allah, and right, so for man. me, he's inspirational. Uh, but it's, but I can see the depression side too. It, it's how you angle. But for me, he's like, he he's that guy. And I'm like, Allah has blessed, has still blessed us to have people like that in our presence as a role model for us. That's a example of yeah. how different minds, you know, think differently, dude. I never even thought about it oh that way, God. to be honest yeah. with you. For me, it was more about reality checkers. But subhanAllah, man, that's why you need different minds, man. That's a yeah, there was that one episode that we did um, with my with all, all of our good friend. His name is Omar Zaman, oh, yeah. and his episode that was, was yeah. um, called "Disabled Muslims." Um, what was it called? Um, Disabled special, Muslims. Special um, needs or was something. That Mohsen? Yeah. Was he connected to Mohsen? Okay. Right. Yeah. right, right, and it was it was such a amazing perspective because this is a guy who's a you know he's in a wheelchair and he's. He's a comedian. He's literally will make you laugh out loud throughout the whole show. Yeah, he's um, he's so well. I mean, he if he was not disabled, and I think under the circumstances, he would have been a stand-up comedian because he's that funny. Um, and he he made you understand and appreciate what a privileged position we're in. In uh, being able to acquire knowledge and and uh, it's it's a he, he's one of the the reasons why I go um, I go and see him every week to be inspired because yeah, man, he's somebody who always just gives you that that fuel like okay what can I do I mean this is this guy is doing this much being in a wheelchair and what am I doing you know. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I had a hard time deciding. But for, for him, I'll tell you one thing, uh, Kareem. Listen, listen to what he says. He, has, he's, he can only move his hand for the controls of his wheelchair. He doesn't have, a, he doesn't have the wheelchair where you use both your arms to move forward. It's, it's the motorized one where you can just move your fingers, and that's basically you can move comfortably, right? And imagine, I was talking to you the other day, he said this before. Imagine the blessing. He was talking about the blessing of Salah that we have. And I think he said it's been four years or five years where he hasn't made sajda. He's not capable of making sajda. Yeah. Right? And you think about that, you're like, wow. You know, the blessing that you have and the routine that we treat our salah with, and he's yearning to make sajda, and he says, I can't do it. I haven't done it for four years. Imagine that individual, right? But that made a very powerful person. He gives me so much, like, uh, uh, like, like Sim said, inspiration, but... If you want a good lesson, even though he jokes around everything, but in purification of the soul, like you have to be around those type of people, man. You know, because he, uh, he's been there, he's done it. He, he's the, just the small things that he brings that he talks about will will make you closer to Allah better than any book that you can read. You know, it's it's amazing. You have to have people like that around you. You know. Yeah, Subhanallah, the living living nude, man, the living nude right there. Yes. Subhanallah. Yes, sir. May we may we be representatives of Allah's nur. Amen. Amen. Karim Sirajuddin here. Thank you for tuning in. 
please visit nurhuman.com to learn more about how I provide personal, spiritual, and relationship counsel. Please generously help sponsor the show to keep on going at patreon.com slash coffeewithkareem. That's patreon.com slash coffeewithkareem.